and she is savvy, and she knows better, and she's still doing all this bullshit. Well, that's a good enough introduction. <laughs> yes, that's right. Um, so, Barstool Politics, episode three. Uh, as always, I have Bill Muck here, and we actually have a special guest, uh, Dr. Suzanne Chod, uh, who's one of my former professors. Uh, and we wanted to bring her in for her insights on the whole mishmash of shit that's been going on. Um, so thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. Of course. Um, where do we even start? I feel like this is where we how it started last time. We have no idea what to do. And I think it just has to revolve around Trump, right? It's just we just we just start and we throw his name out, and then <laughs> in an times, hour, Times we... Person of the Year is that who we're talking about? Today? Mm-hmm. Was he Time Person of the Year? Oh time yeah, Person of the Year. But that doesn't mean a good person, right? No, They're no, just no. saying of significance mm-hmm. of consequence. Sure, yeah. Hitler yeah. was too. It was great. <laughs> was Hitler was that's right? Yes, yeah. he was. Yeah. And then we get another comparison. That of we course. Um, yeah, I, I mean, realistically, you guys have more insight into this than, than I do, and I've kind of taken somewhat of a break on it in the past week just because it's so overwhelming. So I'm realistically just here to instigate more than anything when we're talking about appointments and, and cabinet members and whatnot. Um, so what did you guys think about Mattis? I mean, that one seems like relatively innocuous compared to the others. I, well, so what's interesting is that I don't I I don't know a lot about him, but from what I've been reading, the the consensus has been well, she said the consensus. Some have said that the Democrats should actually push this nomination, that they should push for confirmation quick because he's less bad than the other options. And so, is that what you're is that what you're seeing? Yeah, I think he's the he'll be the only adult in the room. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. He's one. I, I think there are there are a number of appointees that are just. Batshit crazy, and then there are it's a long spectrum. Yes, yeah, right. Yes, and then there are like the, the incompetent, and I would put Ben Carson into that. And then I would say the good, right? And Mattis is one that I think Democrats could have nominated him for a position. No, I mean he he's thoughtful. He's well respected within the military across partisan lines. He's well respected. Uh, I am quite sure that he and Michael Flynn will not get along at all because these are. Two powerful individuals, but no, uh, that was the one appointment where I said, "Okay, good. There's going to be somebody other than maybe Mike Pence, who is an adult and will rein in some of the craziness." Uh, so no, Mattis, Mattis for me was good. I felt like, okay, maybe the world doesn't get blown up. Uh, <laughs> but how, I mean, and you as a foreign policy expert yeah. probably knows better than anyone. But I'm trying to figure this out. What are the consequences, good or bad, for having a military, like mm. a career military person, as the head of the Defense Department? In any other year, I would be concerned about that. Right. And that would be a big deal, right? right. The, the civilian-military divide is, yes. is significant. The last time this happened was with George Marshall, and the Congress said, never again. We will give, you know, we will allow this one time. It'll never happen again. I don't think the Democrats can push back on this, though, because who will he go to next? Right. It'll be worse. Yeah, who's all the way down on <laughs> right. the list, right? And so, you know, I think the Democrats will just uh, let this waiver go through and get him in there. Uh, that, and I think that's the right thing to do. Uh, because he's he's clearly qualified for it, but absolutely, Trump loves generals. He loves the military. But he knows more than they do, though. Right. Well, obviously. Right? I mean, <laughs> in the sixty minutes interview where he was saying, "I'm going to defer to the generals," and then yeah. he was called out on. He was like, "Oh, that's right. The generals do a terrible job." So, right, right. I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> well, compared to Flynn, who the National Security Advisor, who really like 
absolutely scares me. And, yes. and and again, bipartisan people are scared by him. Republicans are worried. Democrats are worried. I mean, he's he and his son are both <clears throat> Twitter nuts, re, retweeting all sorts of conspiracy theories. Uh, he hates Muslims, right? So uh, cancer. right. And then you have Pompeo at the CIA who is pro torture. Mm-hmm. So you, I think you have to have somebody like Mattis to, to counteract all that. Mm-hmm. Um, Who's been there? Yeah. Who understands the consequences? Maybe in a different way. Yeah. I mean, other than Mattis, the one thing that unites all of his appointees is that they hate somebody, right? So it's either <laughs> it's either blacks or Jews or Muslims, right? There's a yeah. sense of anger among yeah, any of them, yeah. <laughs> right? So, yeah. so no, for me, Mattis, I, I felt a little bit I, a little calmer about that. Well, that's that, good. Post. that makes me feel better. Yeah, lots, lots. The other ones, the other ones, not so good. Yeah. That's what we're all about is making people feel better. Mm. I need it. <laughs> I do. I think. All, I think all of us. I mean, this is why I always refer to Bill on things about foreign policy. I mean, mm. asking him things like about TPP and that kind of stuff because I am not as educated on those things as he is. He, mm. is, he makes me feel better than. Well, neither is the president, right? Well, uh, right. So that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, but he doesn't make me feel better. <laughs> he right. makes me feel terrified. Yeah. You not even entertained. It's kind of entertaining. <laughs> I've transitioned right now. I find find this stuff more entertaining, and I, I think I've just accepted that. Are you normalizing? I'm not normalizing. <laughs> I've realized it's not normal. Okay, it's I'll awful. But as a, I guess as a as a liberal elitist, I've now accepted the reality, and I'm gonna watch the dumpster fire just play out. And <laughs> because and you won't get caught in the flames as a white man, right. or yeah, it's I'm just, I mean, you, you got a lady on. Uh, I right yeah, right? yeah, I mean, that's true. There was There's just more diversity on the podcast. Wonderful. Right. Yes. And I'm Jewish too. Right. Yes. Check, check. Yeah. No, but I mean, not that this has anything necessarily to do with Trump, but Ohio, the Ohio Senate just passed a bill, because I don't know if either of you saw this, that's now trying, they passed a bill that would outlaw abortion at six weeks because that's when you can detect a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. So Interesting. whether or not this is a direct result of we can do these things now because of who is going to be appointing this new Supreme Court justice mm-hmm. and Kasich, who we who seemed like the the most reasonable, although he is way more conservative than I think people realize. Yeah. Now he's going to have to make a decision whether to veto it. And if it does pass, it's going to go right to the court because it directly violates Roe versus Wade. But it's the first big what test. What does the court right? look like yeah. when that happens? So this is the thing we don't know if this is a direct result of him being president. But if it is, is this the kind of stuff that we're going to see over and over and over again? Which mm-hmm. again affects yeah. men indirectly. Right. We're talking about abortion rights. Sure. And access to care. Yeah. So, probably taking a step back, we should probably get your insight into everything. <laughs> what was your initial reaction when this all went down when he was elected? Um, I cry, I cried a lot. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I did, and, okay. and I, I will readily admit that I'm a crier, and I don't. And that's not a, a gender specific thing. It's just like a me specific thing. Like I'm just a crier. So, oh. um, I cried a lot. <clears throat> I. I sort of went through the stages of grief, I feel like. No, this didn't happen. I, no, no, no. And then kind of went through all of that. And now I'm at a place where I think I'm living in like an alternate reality. Mm-hmm. Like he's been elected, but he's not president yet. So like all this stuff is happening. We're talking yeah. about it. And it's it's like I'm looking over it. Yeah. And then at some point I'm going to be in it. And I'm, I don't think I'm going to know what to do with, mm-hmm. with all of that. Yeah. So I... I told Bill this, and I, I still am trying to make sense of, you know, how we got this so wrong and how I let all of my students astray. And, and it wasn't just me. It was everybody. We totally – what kind of curse words can I use on this thing? All of them. Okay, so yeah. – <laughs> all right. So um, I feel like we totally fucked this thing up, and I don't – I'm trying to figure out how to learn from it as a professional, learn from it to teach students, 
yeah. But isn't it so the not to get too deep into the polling, but she's now up what two point two and a half million votes. Oh. Yeah. So <laughs> that makes the polling seem somewhat more accurate, right? It does. It does. Except in these flyover states, right, where yeah. they had terrible they were polling. Wrong there. They were yeah. wrong in all of like all of the flyover America, right? right? Because you can't get good polling in rural America because well, it depends on the type of strategy or technology sure. you're using. But is it landlines? Is it cell phones? Is it yeah. the internet? Are you like going door to door across farms? Whatever. You know? Yeah. Um, and also, some people are more or less likely to you know answer questions about those things, and people like us are more likely to answer questions about those things. <laughs> so, I mean, overall, yeah, the idea that she would win because people would vote for her more than him. That was true. Mm-hmm. But national polling doesn't mean anything. It's mm-hmm. all about state polling. And even in the states where she was supposed to win because the blue yeah. wall says that she should, the polling there was still bad because they weren't going to, you know, middle of nowhere Wisconsin. Right. Where she never went. Right. I, I do wonder whether there's been unnecessary bashing of, of Hillary in the campaign that she ran. Now, Nick is just loves Hillary. Um, She's the greatest. <laughs> I know that that's snark. But it's, it's been I, such I remember <laughs> you enough. That's the snark I remember. It's such an easy thing. And, and, and the <clears throat> postmortem of the Democrats is that it was a bad campaign. Right. And I wonder whether that's that's missing in some ways what was going on here. Because uh, her vote totals are high. Yes. Her, you know, the, the overall vote number is significant. Mm-hmm. So... It's easy to blame her, and I don't think she ran a great campaign. Right. But um, yeah, it's a confluence. I feel like it's this perfect storm of things. Yeah, right? mm-hmm. bad polling in particular states <clears throat> was relying too much on certain kinds of strategies, not enough on other kinds of strategies. Um, and I think it was also this the the way that the Democratic Party has moved into being so inclusive to all that it then started excluding the people who built the party in the first place. Right, and now someone who used to be one of them because he was a Democrat, now yeah. is a Republican looking in that looking them in the eye and saying, like, I see you. Mm-hmm. Even though that was all a lie because yeah. he sees golden-crusted toilets and that's his bottom line. <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be interesting to see over the next few weeks whether the white working class gets upset about the reality that he's appointing very rich people to yes. his cabinet positions and Wall Street elites and all of that. And I think you have to, right? You have to appoint people who have connections, who understand this stuff. Um, but well, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. What yeah. would the alternative have been, realistically? Right. You, well, if you yeah. truly drain the swamp, who gets to go in there? Right. The yeah. quote-unquote everyday American? Right, which no. nobody actually wants, even no. though they say that they want. That's exactly right. Right, you want somebody who knows what they're doing. <laughs> right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even if they are elitist and have made money or whatever, yeah. you know, it appears that draining the swamp is not as easy as it sounds, but it sounds really good because of what the connotation is, but then doing it is not a real thing that can actually happen. No. Now, he has we understand. Stepped, right. He has stepped outside, and his appointees are certainly a reflection of him and his vision. Right. That's that's. There's no doubt that's sure. It. It's the little um, minions. Yeah. All of his minions, right? It's the yeah. people that have been the... Seriously, the people yeah. that have been loyal because he values loyalty above all else. Yeah. And as soon as Chris Christie stopped being loyal, he nixed him from the transition team, mm-hmm. right? He's, you know, he thought he had the golden ticket all the way into the White House, and not so much. Can't say I'm super upset about that one. No. His no, <clears throat> disapproval great. rating, I think it was yesterday, 77%. Yes. Ever. yes. Mm-hmm. Ever in 30 yeah. years mm-hmm. in the history of governors. Yes. And, and I even thought 77 was a little low. Like, I think that should be higher. Like, who are those that are saying, like, no, no, he's still, he's still okay. Yeah, he just has to be done at this point. Oh, he's done. There's he, nothing left for him to do. No. I would assume yeah. not, but you hope he's he just keeps away coming somebody. back. Yeah, yeah. It's not like he's going to go on a like write a book and go on a speaking tour. No, I mean, mm-hmm. I would, I, I would never go 
see him or what I read his book for lots of reasons. <laughs> right. But, you know, unless he wants to write like a Trump tell-all, then that's not a smart career move for him if he wants to like weasel his way back in somehow. I think he'll weasel his way back in with anyone who will yeah. let him, him weasel yes. in at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Trump was savvy to bring him in early, yes. and then when he was no longer useful, it was like, That's "There you is. go, you're That's you're good. you're dead to me." Yeah. Did you all talk about Ben Carson yet? Like, no, no, no. Can we talk about Ben sure. Carson. Sure, sure. And just the the horror. But not in depth though, because there's no, you there's can't not a lot of depth, depth there. there. We yeah. can just all fall asleep talking about him because he's. <laughs> I just I, I, it, there's so many things that boggle my mind about the choices that Trump had made. Right? Mm-hmm. But the Ben Carson choice for HUD. Mm-hmm. I mean, makes makes less than no sense. Mm-hmm. He grew up in Detroit. Well, and he knows he's black. housing and ur- exactly right. urban development. So you think find he, a black guy. The fact, by the way, you. right? The one. There's one. <laughs> the fact that Let's look through he the deck again. Told Trump, "I'm not qualified to run a large organization." You're telling me that that troubles you? Yeah. Right. No. Yes, I think it's totally fine. I think it's fine when he says I, it doesn't scare me at all that he said. I'm not qualified at all to run a department, but you thought you were qualified to run for president, but now you decided to take over this department. That, also based on some of the things that are going to be happening with our new attorney general in the Justice Department, mm. are actually going to have serious consequences for the lives of people in urban areas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. No, there's no, there's it's no just, question. It, I, the the level of <laughs> incompetence, and so I think it's a mix of danger and incompetence with the cabinet. Uh, it's the scariest combination. Right. I think I think Flynn and Pompeo, those guys are, and even Jeff Sessions, they're smart. They know what they're doing. They have sharp elbows. Right. They're going to be effective. They're going to get their agenda done. Uh, so it's those are dangerous. Ben Carson is dangerous for just being incompetent, having no experience doing this. Uh, it's it's going to be bad. Uh, cabinet picks. Excuse me. Yeah. On the fly research. <laughs> So, so it, well, and then all, and then having Bannon, right? Bannon in his Bannon. ear, yeah. all the time, mm-hmm. um, and apparently, so Trump is apparently interviewing all of the potential appointees. So they come in, they sit down with him, each side of the desk, and then Bannon sits in the corner, which I think is just perfect, right? Like really? Yeah, I hadn't heard that. Yeah, that yeah. He, and then yeah. I think Pence is there sometimes. Talk about a guy. Who I mean, I'm not a Mike Pence fan, but I'm going to give him all the credit in the world because oh, yeah. he's probably saving more disasters than we ever know, right? He's the guy that's <laughs> in the room who says, "Like, no, Donald, we can't do that," right? And I, I'm guessing he says that multiple times. He doesn't today. know what he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> a guy who he deserves that. What I said. I don't think that that was factually accurate, really, because it's sitting right next to your screen. We're going to screenshot it and split screen for you. <laughs> and then they send him out to do these interviews and. He sticks to his talking points. I mean, he's, he's a professional politician. Mm-hmm. But you know if he wrote that book, like what was really going oh, on. Man, I would, I would pay so much money. Mm. <laughs> oh, God. So, well, I, all right. Again, taking a step back. Yeah. Do you guys have any positive reactions to anything that's going to happen over the next four years? Do you think anything good will come out of this? Well, as a lifelong Democrat, my hope so is no. that this... Um, pushes the party to think about the direction it needs to go now mm-hmm. in a way that would make us electorally successful. That's ah. the selfish part, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You know, this is what we talked about in 08, like, oh my God, the Republican Party totally fell apart yeah. and they've got to figure out how to bring themselves back together and then the Tea Party happens and then they just become regular Republicans and then the party becomes fractured and the Democrats were all sitting back like, oh yeah, this is great, mm-hmm. watching this, like, this all, unpl-. and then now it's all on, it's all happening to us. Right. 
And so I guess maybe one of the positive consequences is it forces mm-hmm. my party um, to get its shit together and figure out a way to become electorally successful again. That's, for me, that's yeah. a potential positive. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I know that answer displeases me. No, it doesn't displease me. I'm just trying to think of a way around it. I'm of two <laughs> minds on this because I think both the domestically and internationally. Domestically, I think yeah. Suzanne is right that if if the Democrats and actually the country as a whole, the political system realizes that blue collar folks, you know, the white working class, like they're experiencing a different reality than suburban America, right? And then it's a, a tragedy that that voice has been lost. And so if that, if Trump is genuinely going to try to integrate that community and think about that community, wonderful. And I would support him in that, uh, on that uh, agenda. Internationally, I can't find, in the foreign policy community, Democrats, Republicans, conservatives, nobody, everybody is so freaked out about all this. It's, it's nonpartisan in terms of the, the way in which he potentially could deconstruct the international order that has been in effect since World War II. Mm-hmm. Uh, this idea that you know trade could go away. This idea of our traditional American alliances go away. So that community is up in arms. Uh, and I'm seeing very little positive conversation coming out of that. Uh, mm-hmm. So And, I, and I, I think justly so. I, I'm not sure if there's anything good about a Trump administration in terms of foreign policy platform. I, I, to be honest, I don't think there's anything there, right? It's, I think there's a platform. Well, yeah, there's nothing. I mean, his whole Literally campaign, what he ran on in the campaign foreign policy-wise was really a domestic issue. So yeah. his, his foreign Train. policy was about you know uniting the country behind him, but he wasn't really thinking about these things. Uh, he's not thinking about the relationship to China. He's not thinking about any of this. So it's... It's hard to know what's going on. Do you really think happen. he didn't think about the relationship with China at all when he made that phone call? Do you, yeah, do you think he knew? I, I question whether he knew what was really going on. Like, did he know that he that this isn't a thing that presidents can do? He, like, there's, and he's not living in a vacuum. Like, he has, there are people there that are telling him something. Yeah. Yes. He's not just sitting there in a room with a lock on it going, no, I got it. <laughs> just come back in a little while. Let me tweet for a second. Yeah. Then. Yeah, come back yeah, when I'm He's talking. not a dumb guy. And no, I don't think he's a dumb guy at all. I think there are, his advisors probably were pushing this. And, sure. and uh, as we were talking before the podcast, Bob Dole, 93-year-old Bob Dole, and his, his, uh, his orchestration, tank, right, yeah, his orchestration. is pushing this. I don't think they thought through the implications of this. I, I, and what was the point of the phone call, do you think? I think it was to upset the apple cart. Is that why? I mean, I'm thinking about like what... He if, did if nothing Trump but lambast China. China yeah. Right, because... Uh, well, China, depending on how... You yeah. China. Right, yeah. mm-hmm. right. Then what... Is this all purposeful to, like, rile China up and be like, oh, see... No. We're not gonna like no, we're not no. gonna bow down to you like no, the last eight that's, years, that's right? Like this is what I want to know. No, we're, we're giving him too much, too much credit, credit, right? Again, I think he's a smart guy. I think he he found a way to win an election. I think he's savvy. I don't think he cares or knows anything about foreign policy, right. uh, and so my sense is that he's just kind of dealing with this as it comes. So. So often when I listen to the foreign policy conversations, the pieces that are written, everybody's trying to find what his, his hidden agenda... No! There's no angle. He doesn't know. 
It's kind he of refreshing, is, actually. Right, he doesn't know. And somebody probably said to him, hey, uh, you know, the, Taiwan's on the, phone. the president of Taiwan wants to talk to you. He's like, this is fantastic. Because it was the same thing. He was speaking with the Prime Minister, Theresa May of the UK, and at the end he goes like, hey, if you're in the United States, give me a call, right? No! No! This is this is ignorance, right? And again, not a stupid guy. If you're in the US, give he me a call. He was talking to the president of Kazakhstan, and he's like, oh, you're doing a great job. This man is horrible. He doesn't even know where that is. No! Duterte, who is just an evil villain in the Philippines. Oh, uh, pieces have been written recently. Oh, and there was a piece in the Times today about I, the I death squads. That. It's terrible. And Trump's like, oh, you're just taking care of business, right? No, you can't say this. So, so again, I, I think Trump is a smart man. I think he can read people, but it's clear he doesn't know anything about foreign policy or doesn't care about it. So, so the people that do, sure, like Nick is saying, there's got to be people that know this stuff, right? Someone had to have said to him, yeah. you can't talk to no. the leader of Taiwan. I don't necessarily know that they said that you can't talk to him. I think he has people around him that are saying you should, you should. talk to him. So yeah. It's the opposite. Yeah. Right. You're not supposed to. Push China. To, yeah. Yeah. So, this one's saying to push China, right? It's, so maybe Bannon is thinking about this. Somebody's thinking like, yes, I, th- I think you're right. Let's let's shake things up by doing this. But I don't know if Trump, he may just think like, oh, shake it up. That's great. Um, yeah. But what are the long-term, okay, it's bad. The long-term it's consequences, bad. which for a foreign policy expert, your head must be exploding even more than mine. I, so, <laughs> so as it Boeing came out and, and was talking about that, you know, they're selling a lot of planes to China. Mm. So this is important, right? It's it's if you're thinking even I get that Trump cares about American companies, and I think we should care about American companies, but they also sell to other countries, and if you put up these trade barriers, that's right. problematic. Right. Um, does he really care about American companies, do you think? I don't I think he does. Think he does? I personally think he does. Yeah. I, and realistically, I think that any sort of trade barriers he puts in place are going to be a little wishy-washy when it oh, comes absolutely. to things like Boeing or yes. larger corporations like that. There's going to be. Do you think some... he'll even put barriers up? No, I realistically don't. He could. He could. He could do what he did with Carrier, where he talks tough, and then basically lets everything. Right. Yeah, but yeah. I think he wants people to know that he could. If he yes. really wanted right. to, well, I've seen the right? Yeah. Exactly. I could do all yes, of he's he's yeah. Kim Jong Un uh, uning. Yes, uning. Like, he's uning. Like and yeah. he knows that nobody will read the fine print because again, right. those of us that understand what the carrier deal actually did, right? It's horrifying. Yeah. Yeah. But the fact that he can say, "I single-handedly brought 800." Well, he says it's a thousand, but it's like 800 jobs. Right. We kept them here. But not talking about the fact that over a thousand still went away, right. or the terms of the deal and what that actually yeah. looks like. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was. It was nobody. Under, nobody understands it. The spin of this was brilliant mm-hmm. because he he grabbed the news cycle last week about saving the jobs, uh, and he would throw out numbers. He knew so ultimately it was like seven hundred thirty-seven jobs that were saved, and they had told him eight hundred. And then he comes in with a thousand or eleven hundred. Right. So he just inflates. Well, this is the thing with the Boeing deal. It's like right. four billion dollar contract. No, that's not at all what's even happening right now. Yeah. Uh, no, and so he he handled that. And then a week later, the media says, "Well, that's actually not, not exactly right, and it's not going to be a spend." But everybody's moved on. He's had his moment, so he knows how to work the system very well. Especially was it last week where the jobs numbers came out? Right, the four point nine percent unemployment. Yes. That was last week, right? So he, as you're saying, he steals the news cycle, basically. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's all he's done for the past yes. 18 to 20 months. I mean, did, did we expect anything less? No. No. That's an excellent point. <laughs> <laughs> all right. too much faith. So I'm, I'm switching. I, I began my beer drinking with the Oscar Blues IPA from Colorado, which uh-huh. was 
was wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> Nick? Describe it with some more detail, could it was, you? It was, it was yummy. It was yummy. There we go. It's yummy. Uh, Nick wasn't as pleased with your beer. No, you Anderson Valley Highway 128 Session Series Blood Orange something, whatever. They it's just there's a, No, they won't. And it's fine because it sucks. No, it's not even a moose. It's a bear with antlers. Oh, really? So there's another blood orange thing. This is, so is blood orange like a new thing for beer? Because this one also, this old Yeah, there's a lot of them now. Orange. And I don't know this if it's on too. that whole sour wagon thing. Because oh, that's what it that's tasted right. like. And that just sucks. It tastes like it's unfinished. Um, I'm drinking a Rick Bayless-inspired brew. So I feel very Chicago right now. Yeah. Oh. It's Rick Bayless. Um, it, it's a hominy white ale with sweet orange peel and coriander, and it's delightful. Mm. That's fantastic. And Nick would hate it, but, um... I um, probably like it a lot, actually. That's the first time the word delightful has been used on the podcast. <laughs> yes! Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully the last oh, time. Oh, well, it is delightful, and when I finish this, I'll move on to something else yeah. that is equally delightful. Yeah, yeah. Um, so this is the thing, and I have to put this caveat in there, because I will literally get beheaded by my family if I don't do this. Um, like we we know what we're seeing so far in regards to his choices uh, related to foreign policy and Congress and whatnot, and especially in, in the foreign policy realm. Do you think, and realistically, do you think that Obama had a better head on his shoulders? Like just coming in, I mean, junior senator coming in right. with almost experience no experience. Wise. I, no, I think you could t- think about Obama coming in, and you could even think about George W. Bush coming in, yeah. both individuals who don't have a ton of experience in foreign policy. And I think Trump is comparable in that way. And that, sure. that's not what scares me. It's, it's the appointments? It's what? the appointments and then the lack of interest. So for me, the appointments matter because they're the ones that are going to be speaking to him. And so the way that they frame the issues is going to dictate how he, he conducts his foreign policy. But at the end of the day, I really think you need somebody who cares about foreign policy. And once they're in office, will will think... Wow. Yeah. It was a good one. That was yeah. worse than I thought. Okay. <laughs> will be able to make those decisions. So George W. Bush, over the course of his eight years, he coached himself up and became somebody who was pretty savvy about foreign affairs. Same thing with Barack Obama. I'm not sure three years in, if a Cuban Missile Crisis situation occurs, is he going to be interested enough to push back against his no. advisors, right? No. He's not even, he's not, I don't think he's, he's not even interested in the security briefs right now. He's not interested in living in the White House. Yeah. So. Would you be? Yeah. If you were him? I want to, oh, if I were him. If you were him? Like no. Yeah, I want a chef and I want a, you know, clean yeah. person and no, no. Hey, I don't yes. know, they kill their chefs, you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I see what you're saying. So it's, it's for me, it's it's not the experience. I think you can come in, and a lot of presidents. I mean, you, we usually elect governors who don't have a lot of foreign policy experience. So that's not the issue. It's that I, I don't think there's much interest in learning, and okay. that's that's what concerns me. And then, so if he's not interested in learning, and then he's surrounding himself, other than Mattis, with individuals who have conspiratorial yes. visions of the world, yes. mm-hmm. like that could not. That, that could play out poorly. Okay. Though. Well, and the juxtaposition, I'm sorry, just no, between if you listen to Barack Obama in his speech, his last security speech mm-hmm. he gave, I think it was yesterday, talking about the state of the world and how we should be taking care of each other and we should be understanding each other and we should be trying to learn from each other. Yeah. And you look at him and his view of the world is so different 
than at least what we think Trump's yeah. view of the world is and what those consequences could potentially be for foreign policy. Uh-huh. It's I, a yeah. huge... I think his view, I think their views are fundamentally different. Yes. I think what's been put into practice over the past eight years is not so hot. No, I see your point. No, yeah. I mean, you're talking about you know, entering sovereign nations without mm-hmm. their go-ahead, sure. we're funding warlords in Somalia to take down Boko Haram that mm-hmm. are just as bad, if not worse, than the, the previous group that was there. Mm-hmm. You know, just drone strikes on, on countless people that we never sure. ever hear about. So is it is it better to be disinterested, or at least appearing to be disinterested, or is it better to seem interested and keep the illusion that you know what you're doing? That's or that you're well. I mean, I think what you're what I hear you say about Obama is that his words and his actions don't match. Of course, right, right. And I think, mm-hmm. unfortunately, that that happens a lot with and with everything when we sure. talk about the president, right? But so I think you're saying which one's worse? Yes. Right? Sort of putting on airs that you care, but doing something that like right. doesn't really show that you which care about I the world. Which I don't appreciate, of course. <laughs> yeah. Or being completely disinterested and being like, I don't really give a shit about any of this, so we'll just kind of like see how it unfolds. At least right. that's more honest. Yeah. Is that, is that what you're saying? To an extent, yeah. yeah and I, I don't want to oversimplify it. No, I don't care. I want to simplify it as much as possible. <laughs> um, no, and realistically, I think we don't know how it's going to play out yet. That's right. And I think everyone had high hopes over the past eight years that our standing on the global stage was going to change and be improved to to an extent. And so I you don't, don't think it has. I uh, not. They gave the guy a, a friggin' Nobel Peace he, Prize for was, nothing. I, I don't disagree. Nothing. Let me defend the Obama foreign policy for a bit. Uh, what I like about him is what most liberals do not like about him. Mm-hmm. So he is a fairly cold and calculating foreign policy president. Sure. He will use drone strikes. He will support warlords if it is in our interest. And he'll talk about human rights, and I think on some level he cares... But he's the guy, exactly, will sit back and make those decisions, and he will avoid, like, he's avoided Syria, and I think that's been a really, really good decision. Don't get dragged into stupid things. No, he's avoided Libya, especially after we were there. Right, right, and and, and that was, I think it was a mistake to get in, and he realized that and, and then pulled back. So he's a restrained foreign policy president. I wouldn't say he's a... A perfect realist, but he's more realist than he is liberal, mm-hmm. and I, I think that served us well. I don't. If Trump comes in and he is similarly reserved, and he's talked about that, he doesn't want to get into dumb wars. If that's what he does, I will be okay with it. But if this becomes a crusade against Muslims, which I think Michael Flynn, oh, that's what he wants. Yes. Well, you know, Mattis doesn't want that, but Pompeo has talked about. The, you know, Islam is this uh, crisis that we need to confront, and not not drawing distinctions between terrorism and Islam. If Flynn gets in his ear, th- this could be ugly, but right? But then, how does that play out with this triangle between triangle between Pompeo and Flynn and Mattis, who are all right. in control of yeah. certain parts yeah. of the things you're tra- you're talking exactly. about, right? Yeah. How then you've got Trump in the middle of that triangle, yeah. who is grounded in nothing. Mm-hmm. And understands nothing. Mm-hmm. What yeah. does that look like? Right. There's there, there's going to be a crisis between those forces. Specifically, I think, between Flynn and Mattis. And my sense is Flynn is going to do something stupid. Yep. He's going to tweet something. He's going to say something. And you wonder whether that will be the excuse for Trump to fire him. Mattis won't. Mattis knows what he's doing. I mean, he's, he's a seasoned politician. He knows, he knows how to 
you know, he's a bureaucratic fighter. He, he knows Congress, exactly. He, knows he can do all of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, there <laughs> will be a battle between those two. Um, I, I see Mattis winning. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mad Dog. Mad Dog. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a scary name for him. But yeah. Maybe it's not as scary as... No, I... I just like that he introduced him like he was a, a WWF character. That's exactly what I was thinking. It was awesome. At the thank you rally? Yes. The thank you tour? Yes. yes. It is thank you tour? Uh. So what, you know, again, I always defer to Bill on these questions. So if you have a situation where either because of Flynn or Bannon or somebody else or because of Trump himself wants to make some kind of very erroneous and dangerous foreign policy decision yeah. that requires some kind of um, military tactics, yeah. right? The Joint Chiefs and the rest of the generals, what kind of, you know... Check can they... Yeah, I mean, can a... they look at the Secretary of Defense and can they look at, you know, others that are in that kind of... And the President, who they serve at the pleasure of, and say, I don't feel comfortable, I can't do that. It depends who he goes with, right? So if he comes to... If, if, uh, Mattis, uh, if he comes to Madison and says, let's invade, you know, Syria or Iran... Mattis will say no, but then he'll go to Pompeo and say, "Let's use some drones, right? Let's let's do." So there are other ways, other mechanisms that he can go to, right. which would allow them to do what they want to do. Uh, and the big thing for me is China. That relationship is so important. Yeah. Everybody talks about Putin. Oh, Russia matters, and Putin. Matters. No, Putin. Their economy is basically Sweden, right? They have yeah. nuclear weapons. Yeah. If they didn't have nuclear weapons, they wouldn't be allowed at the table. Now, don't get me wrong. Putin has played his hand fantastically. He's got Europe in crisis. He has the United States in crisis. And all of this serves him well. But he doesn't matter. China matters, right? China is the most powerful. China matters. No, I'm serious. Hashtag China matters. Yeah. That should be your next talk. I like that. Yeah. It'd be Mm -hmm. good. So so those those are the concerns. Like, how does Trump engage China? That's that's what I'll be interested to see. Okay. Mm. Um... You guys kind of touch on it a little bit. What does it say about the the state of our society that, and I guess our government, that Twitter and Facebook and social media has become such a such an important part of the political process? Like, does it realistically? I look at that and go, "That's the dumbest." fucking thing I've ever seen oh. in my life. And the fact that any of you are paying attention yes. to it is out of control. Sure. Yes. But people are doing it. Right. Yeah. What does that say about us? About humanity? Well, well no, let's not good, go that right? far, no. I, mean, I don't want to be that depressed. It, right? yeah. I mean, so the one thing that... <laughs> that depressed Nick. <laughs> one thing that's been very interesting to watch as someone who studies campaigns mm-hmm. is the use of Twitter as an actual campaign strategy, right? Mm-hmm. So social media presence is always something, well, not always, but since 2008 is something yeah. that has had to happen, right? Yeah. And some of the critics have said Hillary Clinton spent way too much time uh, or did not spend enough time on her social media presence in ways that were actually mm. useful mm-hmm. and that yeah. that uh, targeted and micro-targeted and nano-targeted the people that she should have. Okay, so we'll take that out of it. But... What we know, and at least, again, I like second-guess all of the things I've ever learned. Let's pretend like my degree still matters and that this actually is relevant. Um, that face-to-face mobilization is the most effective way to get someone to vote for you. So it's mm-hmm. the most expensive, but it's the most effective. So cost per vote, it's expensive. But you get more votes out of that than if you just run ads. When you or say face-to-face, what does that mean? So coming to someone's door, okay, right? Yeah. So whether it's not, it's either the candidate him or herself, which of course for presidential mm. election is like impossible, mm. or tons of field offices with particular kinds of surrogates in those offices. Mm. Engaging and micro-targeting and nano-targeting particular yeah. kinds of people in certain ways and doing it face-to-face, right? So, so Trump's rallies... 
huge. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a, a, one of those ways where we, we laughed it off like, well, people are going to come and see him, but like, are they going to go vote for him? Well, political science literature would tell us that's a kind of face-to-face mobilization. That mm-hmm. was someone standing on a soapbox in the middle of the town square. And that's how people, that's how you get someone to vote for you, right? Yeah. So there's, there's, that's part of it, which I think is why he wants to keep doing these rallies the entire time of his presidency. Yeah. He wants to keep that, it's like he's going to run for four years straight, right? Mm-hmm. He wants to keep up that enthusiasm. But the question about social media, what I think is interesting is the way that he's used Twitter and the fact that he controls it, he writes them himself, it's not pre-programmed by some algorithm to send it out at a particular time. Yeah. It's almost like he is mobilizing face-to-face. Yeah. He's on my computer screen, I yeah. see his picture, and he is talking to me yeah, you can in talk language to that mm-hmm. I understand. Totally different than Barack Obama did. Totally right. different. His, his tweets never were engaged, right? Never, it's, yeah. right? And I mean, even Hillary Clinton, even when she was Secretary of State, right, like just chilling mm-hmm. in Cedar Rapids, like mm-hmm. that was really funny and cool, and she looks all cool in her sunglasses, right, and Joe Biden and his aviators, but that's not campaigning. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. just being a member of government yeah. and trying to like be funny. Mm-hmm. But I think that he actually used social media as a means of quote-unquote, face-to-face mobilization. Sure. And it paid off in spades. Mm-hmm. So this, I think, is interesting as we move into the next campaign cycle. Mm-hmm. Well, you now have the cable news. about that already. I know, right? I, I, just I, can't know. Even, Sorry. I can't even do it. I know, I'm sweating <laughs> just thinking about it. So in the mo- every morning, the cable news networks are looking at what did Trump tweet out right. at 2 a.m. Right. and then 6 a.m., right? I mean, this is this is now news. And so the, the media's got to decide, do we cover his tweets? But here's Do his tweets matter? Because we've already moved in a direction, and this happened on really mostly in the Obama administration, of locking out the press corps mm-hmm. and using social media yeah. to convey a message. Right. So already the press corps feels like, what the fuck am I doing here? Like, he mm-hmm. doesn't answer yeah. questions. He doesn't hold press conferences. He doesn't come down to the gaggle and hang out with us like other presidents have. So the only choice that the reporters have if they want to write a story is to read what they're putting online. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... They've already been doing that to some extent. And my guess is, based on what's happened at least recently, that Trump has no interest in engaging with the media at all, unless they are Breitbart or well, I mean, Project Veritas or some well, right. fake news, Can you know, right wing, okay. alt right okay. kind of, right? Well, hold on. No, 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 no. This I, this I prepared for. Nick, Nick has his phone out. Yeah. So. Am I going to drink my phone? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, literally, on. On one day, mm-hmm. I just I opened up Apple News mm-hmm. and just started sifting through stories. It was a few days after the election, and just didn't even look at the stories themselves. Just looked at the headlines. Yeah. Clickbait, my friend. Donald Trump threatens the Constitution from the Atlantic. Oh, well, China yeah. trumps Trump when it comes to infrastructure. Bloomberg. Immigrants join anti-Trump protests now on their fifth day. CBS. Donald Trump plans to immediately deport two million to three million undocumented immigrants. <clears throat> How Donald Trump will divide American and Israeli Jews. New York Times. There, like, there's 50 really different things positive. in yeah. one day. <laughs> right. Why would he ever talk to them? Exactly. Why? I mean, yes, given one of those is the Atlantic and whatever, we put that aside, but the rest of them... Oh, all right. Well, yeah, I mean, realistically, it's Times, CNN, 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 TechCrunch, <laughs> The Guardian, Scientific American, Vanity Fair... Slate, HuffPost, CNN again, HuffPost, Business Insider. Well, but that's... Well, and some of the brilliance of his campaign is that his followers now have rejected those news sources. So they... It's great! They will say... I'm so happy about it. I go to... No, but but here's the problem. They go to Facebook and they go to Twitter. So I get that. 
But is going to Facebook or Twitter better? Is that no? Because but is it's that... full of fake news. All right. Well, well is that is that their fault or is that the media's fault then? It's Mark Zuckerberg's. Well, obviously, <laughs> yeah, he started this whole plague. <laughs> yeah. But what's what? So to just interject <clears throat> my two cents here. What's interesting is I, you know, Bill and I talked about when we have particular kind of students in our classes, and we sort of get a sense of their political persuasion. And so mm-hmm. one of the things that I have found to be very one commonality I found across the Trump supporters in my class this past term is the um, rejection of mainstream media mm-hmm. as in the pocket yeah. of not just. The Democrats, but of the Clinton campaign specifically, mm-hmm. right? This video that went around of like the reporter on yeah. the plane, and then her guy gives him a note and blah, whatever, and that it has forced conservatives to go to other sources that are reporting on the real mm-hmm. news, mm-hmm. and they cite Breitbart and Project yeah. Veritas. Sure. And I never heard Info of Project Wars Veritas, and, right? Yeah. I and, and I was uh, so I've now gone on the YouTube page, um, and it's just. If, if now we're at a place where actual, factual news is considered what we would actually yeah. consider Breitbart, yeah. and Breitbart is the truth, I am terrified. The reality... Just as a, just as, as a human. The, yeah. The Trump surrogate, one of the Trump surrogates was out this week and was talking about the fact that facts are no longer facts, right? Mm-hmm. We are post-factual. Right. right? And, and so we've gone from post-racial to post-factual. Which we've never been post-racial. No. Right, and, and so that's that's troubling because there are indeed some facts, and yeah. that that concerns supposedly me. Yeah. right. Yeah. And so you right. are you you're you're down the rabbit hole, and yes. I, I I don't think so. Everybody says Trump, you know, will serve his four years and then be done, but no, I see this as an eight year tenure mm-hmm. because he's going to be able to go back to these individuals. Right. Right. Facts don't matter. Um, yeah, no, I it is it is journalism. I think is facing a. A major crisis. They they need to figure out how to handle him, so they don't. They're not labeled as just this liberal media, right? Right. Yeah. So how do how do how do you solve it? What's the solution? How do they make themselves appealing again? And can they? Well, so one of the things that Trump has said is, you know, he especially because he rewards loyalists is, and this is something that I've talked about with even with teaching political science is when you present an argument that is fact based. And it is wholly objective, yeah. right? But it casts on one over the other. Mm-hmm. Then there's an assumption that there's a bias there, yeah, right? Sure. So what he, if we think about his ego, the fact that he's a narcissist, he would want to see positive coverage, right? Mm-hmm. So if one of these outlets started writing positive pieces, he would be flattered enough to maybe let them in. Mm-hmm. And they get some kind of bird's eye view. But then if they have to write about the shit, mm-hmm. it's not positive anymore, he locks them out again. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what that cycle looks like. Okay. Has that not been happening for the past eight years either? Then? I'm going to tell you right now. No, I see your point because he, he's been very, he's been much more selective with media than previous. No, and realistically, in the short time that I was there, nobody liked talking to that administration. They yeah. were, they hated them. Mm-hmm. They were the most elitist, mm-hmm. just confined yeah. and... And quarantine group that they had ever had the misfortune of dealing with. Because they had learned the new cycle framework, right? You yes. control the yes. message and, and they did it, it in a way. Because it was the explosion of social media. Yeah. And, and they were, yeah, they were brutal in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not, not accessible. Yeah. And this is, I mean, this is sort of how news changed under the Clinton administration with the 24-hour news cycle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the way that he 
courted the media, but then the way that he was constantly covered by the media, cuts yeah. down on the honeymoon period, and then he becomes more selective <clears throat> with who he lets in his inner circle, yeah. right? So, and then we see Bush, who is so affable and lovable, and you know, who was always out talking to people, George W. Bush, yeah. right? Um, where we're post 24 hour news cycle, where we sort of see what this looks like, but pre social media and online news. So, all this new kind of way that people report on the presidency was all born under the Obama administration. Mm-hmm. So the tight control over it may be <coughs> exclusive in some ways to the kinds of people, but also just because of the changing times, which was something we didn't do this before. Mm-hmm. Okay. See how I give you perspective there? Yeah, I, I got the perspective. <laughs> I may not agree you with it. You can disagree but, with yeah. it, right? <laughs> but I, again, someone who looks at things from a more <clears throat> institutional perspective, we look at the changing things that, that to be frame the rules about of the us. game. I know, right? That degree I have, you know. And <laughs> well, the other thing is, like, that interaction. So Trump this weekend is, is tweeting about Saturday Night Live. And so, you know, he's going back oh, and God. forth with, with that Baldwin. And yeah. nobody else is paying attention to anything else. So that that consumes our attention. Right. And nobody pays attention to other things that are going on. He's wagging the dog. Right. This, I, I would expect four years of that, of uh, Berlusconi, you know, from the Prime Minister of Italy, distractions and scandals, and this is going to be the reality of four years. And we may get things done, we may not get things done, but that's in some ways beyond what really matters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, so then what happens to, but then while the, while the world you know, falls apart right. and while people are losing jobs and healthcare and now we still live and education's in the shitter because our secretary of education doesn't believe in public education, then he's tweeting and that's what we're talking about. Yeah, we have a reality show to watch. Why would we care? Yeah. That's the point, right? It will be it will be very entertaining. <laughs> yes. But there are many, especially international voices, who still think the United States has a role to play globally. Yes. And having an agenda, having an initiative. I mean George W. Bush Barack Obama, they have a vision of how they wanted to engage the world. Will Trump have that? Or will it just be, like you said, the 24-hour news cycle of scandal and entertainment and him tweeting? And um... I mean, what do you think that the conversation, when he starts traveling abroad, right? Because mm-hmm. the expectation is that a president has to go places. Mm-hmm. What yeah. are those conversations you think going to sound like? Oh, He's sitting down with, you know, with the prime minister of fill-in-the-blank yeah. country, the president of fill-in-the-blank oh. country... What are those conversations? Like, you're doing a hell of a job, right? It's, like, is that what that sounds like? It's going to be so, When he goes to the Middle East, they're going to love him, right? Because, you know, he he's, he's, a, he's an autocrat. He doesn't care about democracy, right? So, so in he's Middle East... Man, right. Like and, and in the Middle East, you bring... <sighs> so if you're a Middle Eastern country, what you do is you say no democracy, and you bring in your family, right? I mean, this is this is something Saudi Arabia is going to be like, oh, your brothers and sisters and all these people, bring them in, your children, um, this this is the model that Middle Eastern dictatorships have used of, of nepotism, and so I think he'll get along great. But they're so stable country. when they're like that. <laughs> <laughs> but yet, then he also wants to kill all of their residents. So how does that work? Well, he called their pa- own leaders want to kill their own residents. Well, <laughs> he called Pakistan. Maybe they'll get along even better there than that. <laughs> he called Pakistan and he said, "You're just wonderful people. You're great. All these Pakistanis, you're doing great. You're doing great. It's great." The <laughs> Taliban. Yeah, no, I, Osama bin Laden for such a long time. My sense is that what I'm waiting for is the first Trump-Putin interaction in person. Oh my god! And do they hug? They, I think they, just, they hug. Big bear. They wrestle hug. bears. Yes. Sure. <laughs> Putin is going to so take advantage of him. <laughs> because he knows, Putin is savvy. He knows how to play this game. And I think Trump is no pushover. Like, he knows how to interact. 
I think he'll be very diplomatic in the sense that I don't think he'll, you know, embarrass himself. But he's not thinking geostrategically the way that, that Putin is. He doesn't even know what that word means. No. Well, I don't either. I just throw it out there. I, I, is that a real word? It sounds like it. No, there's a handful of words like <laughs> stability. And, yeah. <laughs> That's a real word. Yeah. Just throw them out for the students mm-hmm. and see if they catch me on. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, God, you guys just depressed me so much. Can we talk about Ivanka Trump? Yeah, please. She's gorgeous. <laughs> Pause. I have to say, I, 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 will throw, I listened to the first bar school politics. And you didn't listen to the me. second one? I, I the first one turned you off? Not on purpose. Not on purpose. But in the first one, and Bill warned me about this. Oh, I know. I gotta take you to task, Nick. Oh, come on. The fa- I mean, the, the raging, blaring, proud feminist in me has gotta take you to task on it talking about her appearance and talking about her demeanor. But that's all we've talked about with him with for the past 45 minutes. I'm sorry, 47 minutes. Appear- appearance? They haven't talked about his appearance. Have we judged or and judged his demeanor and then said that he is more or less able to do a particular job because of that? We didn't talk about his temperament specifically. We talked about his temperament. Yeah, we did. We did? I think we did. We talked about the fact that he doesn't know anything. How do you know he doesn't know anything? Well, I don't know. It feels like <laughs> My point being. No, I understand. That, and no. realistically, that was in jest. Okay, like, it's good not. For me to know. Yes. But All I mean, the other ladies out there as I lean to the microphone. Good yes. <laughs> no, I, I, realistically, I, I could not. I couldn't support her. J- just based on Fair my point. political leanings and, and my belief system. And separate from her appearance or how right. she comes off. Realistically, like I mean. This is supposed to be a forum where we can just talk about this shit and yeah. just have fun with it. But I still gotta call you out. On That's shit. fine. There you can go. call me out. I don't have a problem with that. <laughs> <laughs> You're not taking not. any more of my beer. I will. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Next time I'll bring my own. I'll take my ball and go home. No. But uh, that Ivanka Trump, yes, she's gorgeous. I will give you that, right? Yes. And she's also what appears to be quite cunning at this point. I would you say think so. so. I think so. Mm-hmm. I think. I think. I mean, this idea that now she's moving to DC with her family to run the Blind Trust, which Line should be put in quotes. I think absolutely. Sure. Um, yeah. She's on calls with her father with with foreign Japan. With, yeah, with Argentina. I think was the other. Yes. One. Well, that's right. It was on the phone with uh, Argentina. It was in the room. In the it room. was him. Yes. And Ivanka that's with right. the Japanese delegation. And yeah. the New York Times reported, and I still believe New York Times is a legitimate mm-hmm. source for news. Um, that when Nancy Pelosi, Sheryl Sandberg, um, and there was another. Um, and I'm blanking on who it was, called to talk to him after he was elected, he, mm-hmm. he either handed the phone to Ivanka mm-hmm. when it taught, when women's issues came up. Mm-hmm. Or, oh, I'm sorry, let me say this again. Nancy Pelosi called and he handed the phone to Ivanka when she started talking about female issues. Sheryl Sandberg contacted Ivanka directly. Mm-hmm. So she's putting herself in a position in her father's position to maybe do good, yeah. right, for women and for families. But, um, you know, she marketed her jewelry on a 60 Minutes interview. So sure. I find I find so much of this troubling, not just about her, but about the whole family and kind of how this is going to play out. Yeah, I mean, I think there has. To, I think she's. I think she's extremely capable, and yes. I think she knows what she's, she's doing. Very smart. Yes. She's yeah. Very Exceedingly smart. so. Yes. I think you have to give them some sort of leeway in the sense that they've never, they've never been in this world. Right. Like, and yeah, the jewelry thing. Obviously, that's a little dumb. But like, let's let's give them a few. Let's give them a month. Give them a minute. Give them a month. Yeah. And then if they're still doing that shit, yeah, then we can jump all over them. Yeah. But I mean, she's built a brand, and she's been very careful in how she built it. Yes. And 
I think she's strategic and yes. understands how that system works and understands wheeling and dealing. Yeah. Probably more so than her father does at this point. Well, she's more emotionally intelligent, right? Yes. Which has, served, yeah. has served her well and right. will continue to, which also makes it a little scary. If she is going to take care of some of the things that he isn't capable of taking care of, and she's going to do it in a way that mirrors what we think this administration might look like as opposed to doing some of the opposite things, which would make me feel better personally. Uh-huh. Um, that soft hand, you know, which is gendered, of course, too. That It's all... It, all of this swirling is, it makes me uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I'm less I, I, I'm less worried about her than I am the sons. They freak me out. They 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 <laughs> they're like they're like Stepford sons. Yes, <laughs> and like behind the scenes, they're the hammer, right? It's where yeah, they could <clears throat> they could intervene in ways because well, one never talks. No, know. that's that's the problem, right? <laughs> And, and you he know, you know, he's thinking like, "That's it." You know, yeah. you wait two months. <laughs> Here I come. Right. And Eric is just—I don't know. I mean, the, the, those the sons bother me more than Ivanka. Yeah. But all of this, so you know, that now that he's going nice be... to say about poor Baron. Oh, That's poor Baron! Poor Baron! Poor Baron! No, I. The, so this whole thing now with him wanting to, you know, have his primary, well, not his primary residence necessarily at the White House, and he wants to be living in Trump Tower for a, a good deal of a time, and so now this is like a huge... He can't do that, right? They're going to say no. I, I mean, I, the I city in New York is going to be... But no, here's what's I, happening, right? So, right now at least. Um, and this is all going magically somehow through Ivanka's husband's real estate firm. Mm. Um, they're marketing to residents to move into Trump Tower as the president-elect's residence, and that you'll be protected by Secret Service. Would you want to live? Uh, I wouldn't uh, want that. No, because it's, no. it's a huge pain in the ass. Yeah. And for, I, my best friend works like a block from Trump Tower, and it's mm-hmm. going to be a complete disaster for anyone who works anywhere close to mm. Midtown, right? Well, I mean, that's... It is now, yeah. What is it on 57th? It's, it's, right it's basically right off of Times Square. Right. So they can't close that down. They can't. There's no way to secure it. And the best, the best thing I heard was, yeah, it's a giant glass box. Right. How are you? How are you going to protect to that? that right? Yeah. But if he wants it to happen, I, are people going to move in there now? They're going to use all of this to make more money. Oh, New York right? is going to hate pat- that. Oh. Well, no, I'm not. This, this isn't going to be marketed to New Yorkers. This is going to be marketed to people that are not living in New York. Ah. And it's right. It is down in the like international UN district. That's right. So mm-hmm. we walked past that when we were in Model UN. I don't oh, remember geez. much of anything, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> That's that's good. You remember oh, that was my tour of New York. Uh, Here's Trump Tower. Here I just all of this, right? You know, he wants them to have security clearance and you know, sort of the incestuousness of all of their different companies and how they're going to benefit from this. And it is a Middle know, Eastern. You know, that's that's how. It's so interesting. I never thought about it. Yeah. No, it is. It is because because you only trust your family. Yes. And so, and I, I get that sense. Like he doesn't trust anybody. Intimately outside of the right. family, so important yes, mm-hmm. and so he brings in a couple. Like I think he, you know, I think he trusts Ben and Priebus. I think I don't know. No, we'll I see. don't think he does. So it's it's you you have to bring the family in. This this is just classic dictatorship. This is Middle Eastern. This is North Korean. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, it's like the Godfather. It is. I know it's awesome. Isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> but the stakes seem a lot higher. Nah, than the fine. Godfather. Whatever. <laughs> Uh, but then that's going to be so interesting, right? Because these people that voted for him, not all of them, I don't want to stereotype, but a vast that's majority. That's stereotype. I know, actually, right? A vast majority of people that voted for him yeah. reject all the things you just described. Holy, right? Because you, you pull yourself up by your bootstraps and you earn your place in the world, and right? It's not this favors and favors and favors, and right? And so 
At some point, I guess I wonder if these people, these people, and I don't mean that in a bad way, like people that support him, are going to like wise up and be like, "This is not the guy that." He but sold there are us multiple on. camps within the Trump supporters, and they, yeah, they have right. different reasons for supporting him. So, are we a hundred percent in agreement that they're not capable of doing what he wants them to do? I mean, realistically, yeah. If they're capable of doing it, do they not have the right? To be part of that? Well... If he thinks they're qualified to do it? There is the nepotism clause, there, there right? There is a yeah, federal that's, law so there's, that legislates yeah. this. Yeah, because okay. a lot of this was after Bobby Kennedy. In official positions. Like yeah. yeah. Right, so this was the thing. So when Hillary Clinton as first lady, which is a non-paid, yeah. only regulated by one federal law position... Mm-hmm. When she headed up the task force... I'm not doing well today. Yeah. <laughs> is that a Shimer? Yeah. It's, Wait, I, did I, you I, say Shimer? Not Shimer. Oh. Uh, Shiner? Shiner. Oh, you have it on the brain. Yeah. It's made in Texas, well, well, yeah, we'll go into that in a second. No, all, all, I, was, all I was... What was I saying? Ooh. Oh, that when she headed up the, for, the healthcare task force in the 1990s, she got sued mm. because they said it was a violation of the same clause. Yeah. But it wasn't an official paid government position that's sure right so if yeah. he or someone else in one of the white house council person could tell him you can put them in these capacities as long as they're not paid right which i don't think he should, they should ever be no, in any yeah. sort of right? official capacity um, then they can do whatever they want right yeah i mean i think about somebody like nancy reagan yeah she was significant she i mean all those strings yeah right um Go all the way back to Woodrow Wilson right, after he had the what did he have a stroke? Or, yeah, I Edith mean, was the president. You're right. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's one of those things. There's a long history in the United States of family playing a role. Mm-hmm. You have but to be never careful. Overly, not right. overly. Because we didn't talk right, about we right. didn't talk about Nancy Reagan pulling the strings until after he was out, and we talked about the Alzheimer's, and we talked about yeah. the taking naps under his desk. We talked about the delegation. Right. It wasn't until afterwards. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. I'm just no, that's that's a good point. That's a good point. And he will have to be savvy, thinking about the ways in which he does want to engage his family in that. Do you think he even sees it as a problem? No, he doesn't see it as a problem. Right, so he doesn't have to be savvy unless he's unless it's literally a white I mean, council knows, issue. He's smart enough to know the hurdles, right? So he knows yeah. I can't give them an official post. It it has to be unofficial, uh, and he'll do that. You can put them all in the White House office. None of them are confirmed. Sure. Right. right. He's got he's got thousands of posts that he could put them in. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Boo. Boo. <laughs> um, Similar to the beer you're drinking. Yeah, like, no, it, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I just had a revolution, which is Jukebox Hero, which is actually really good. Black India Pale Ale. I don't know what that means, but it's delicious. It's, everything from Revolution is delicious. Um, and then whatever the Shiner Cosmos thing is. It's dark. I'm, yeah, I'm working on No, it's not, actually. No, no the light says no. No. Well, I'm having a uh, Hopnosh IPA Tangerine. Mm. Not so great. Actually, it's fine until the bite at the end, and then not so much. Tangerine things are so hit or miss. Yeah, they are. I like yeah. tangerine as a thing. So yeah. Like a thing. And it's also fruity. Except it is fruity. Yes. You gotta go grapefruit. Grapefruit is always this good. This is yeah. telling yeah. me, yeah. but I don't want to do the sparkling nonsense. Oh, it's there. delicious. Is it delightful? It's delightful. <laughs> yeah. It's it so good. It is. Oh, Truly spiked and sparkling with a hint of grapefruit and pomelo, which I don't know what pomelo is. I don't know Maybe either. I didn't even say that right. And only 100 calories. Look, I oh, said it was Yeah, there's like no sugar right. or anything, and <laughs> so it's well. higher percentage than most standard beers. And I yeah. could shake it, and then I could open it right on... Let's not, not do on, that. Not on the microphone. No, not, not on the microphone or technology. any of that, no. It's so after the uh, Oscar Blues, I had a uh, Solemn Oath Snaggletooth Bandana, which is a fantastic beer. Wonderful. Uh, and then I went with the Boulder Beer Pulp Fusion, oh, which you was... Did? 
Is it good? Miserable. Oh, I think I didn't. I almost took that one. No, this is awful, right? Um, And it is a weird. I don't know if they're. It says it's a blood orange, blood orange IPA. Ah, yes, Uh, and it is. Almost undrinkable. So, almost. Yeah, Maybe almost. you need a straw. You know, I... I, my, my, <laughs> I you yes, you can. <laughs> I would say... You grad school in Boulder, so... Yes, that yeah. suck. Oversized party straw available online and in some retail stores in the Chicago Lane area. Everywhere. Everywhere. Sure. Everywhere. Everywhere. Look it up. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> That's the, they're only going to fit in wine bottles. <laughs> uh, I, was, I would fit in here. Hmm? Yeah. I could drink it all the way from up here. We we did market it originally as you can cut it to fit in different bottles, but nobody cared about that because everyone liked it in the wine bottle. I would, and it works so well in the wine bottle. Mm. <laughs> I'm to do, it. Um, I, I, do we have more to talk? Yeah, I, I, yeah. If if you want, um, I I don't even know. Um, I guess house cleaning. Um, yeah. What do you think about Castro? What does oh, that do? Yeah, I'm yeah. actually really interested to talk to you about this, though. I think this is... I think he's dead. He's dead? I think he's dead. I, yeah. I, I would tend to concur with yeah. that. The significance of his death is, I think, important, because he has been near death for a long time. Yeah. And you think about all the presidencies he's lived through. Mm-hmm. You go. They, they thought he was going to die 25 years ago. Right. No, the guy Castro's lived forever. I assumed he died like five years ago. I and they just yeah. didn't say I anything. I was the same way. Yeah, exactly. And so for me, it's a, it's an important historical event to say sure. he's finally gone, right? So that that's important. But I I want to see how Raúl, the brother, now that he's freed up, because mm-hmm. Raúl was like the little brother who didn't matter, right? Mm-hmm. Right. He's the George W. Bush. Exactly right. <laughs> and so now 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 Fidel is gone. Does Raul look for more engagement with the United States? And I think he might. I think I, I, he was pushing. He re- Cuba's in bad bad shape. They mm. they need more engagement with the United States. They need more engagement with the world. And Raul realized that. But Fidel, even though he was you know in bad health in his jumpsuits, prevented that from happening. So now and I can only assume he was buried in a jumpsuit. But um, why do all communists love jumpsuits? They're comfortable. Are they? Have you ever worn one? Me? No. Yeah. no uh, I mean, as a woman who's worn jumpsuits. Do they come in khaki? I no. can't imagine they would be comfortable. <laughs> they have pleats. That's right. Yes. So, uh, so I am curious to see. I, I think for Cuba, this is the potential great opening. Raul says, all right, I'm going to engage the United States. Does Trump want to now engage Raul? Because I, I, this is, I think there could be a lot of engagement. There could be an economic exchange, political exchange, travel. Uh, but if Trump says no, it doesn't go anywhere. He was excited that Fidel died. His tweet, right? Mm-hmm. Castro died! Exclamation point. Really? Yeah. <laughs> and then you juxtapose that again with Obama's like long, yeah. You know, for people who loved him, we're sorry. We offer our condolences yeah. to the Cuban people who mourn Very him. Very diplomatic. Yeah. Enough, right. Enough. Yeah. You know, what would have been better if, 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 if Trump had dead. sent that out with a picture of him eating a Cuban sandwich, there right? Go. Just like, <laughs> I love Chinese like, people. Right. And, and, and like, Trump Tower right? makes a great Cuban sandwich. There you go. That's exactly right. <laughs> See, that would have been funny. That Wearing a jumpsuit. Yeah. Wearing Oh, my God. That would have <laughs> Someone's meme that up real quick. Oh, right? that would be a good one. Yes, that would be a good one. So, an important historical event, I think, potentially. An opening for U.S. Cuban engagement, but we'll see. We will see. It depends. And now, now the ball is in Trump's court. I, I think there's too much economic opportunity there to mm-hmm. not. I mean, 
you know, I mean, realistically, when he, throughout his campaign, I don't really remember him ever bringing up Cuba at any point. No, the Americans don't care about Cuba. Right? No, no. Why would they? And even Cuban Americans don't really, some of them do, but most of them don't even care about, No, you know, the, the yeah. And didn't the first commercial flight just go to Cuba last week? Yeah, something like that. And multinationals are already laying the yep. seeds down there. I mean, you think about the potential money for American multinationals. It's a mob, that. I know. Yeah, it's great. Oh. And agriculture. I mean, and so, agriculture, right? So you've got infrastructure, you've got industry, and you've got agriculture. Yeah. yeah. So they're going to be in his ear. They're going to be pushing him. Mm. Um, yeah. It's more contractors to build the wall. It's great. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. New walls. It's a win-win. Multiple walls. Lots of multiple yeah. walls. Yeah. yeah. Walls. Cuban cigars. Now you could get one if you wanted one. I've had Are they going to be and, as and good are they as now? good as everybody says? Or is it only because it's been forbidden and hard to get that everyone says they're so good? That's a good question. I've, I've smoked a handful of Cuban cigars. I've never finished a Cuban cigar because they're so potent. <laughs> I've never smoked a cigar, so I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> but they, uh, yeah, no, hey, I think it'd be good. What is more potent about it than, like, the average run-of-the-mill buy at the bodega You're cigar? asking the wrong guy. Okay, um, I, I couldn't even. Either one of you I told you, I told you that the cigar. sparkling... Pacamo's right. drink was delicious. <laughs> the, yeah. times, the times I've smoked a Cuban cigar have been on my porch with a bunch of rum, and then I think the rum gets me before the, oh. the Cuban cigar uh, goes. Yeah. Are you but, wearing a Hawaiian shirt at all? Well, this always, is happening. And right. shorts. With pleats and khakis here. Always. Mm-hmm. And like tiki mm. lights of some sort. <laughs> Can't go wrong with tiki Expect lights. you to go to your next school function in a jumpsuit and have a big black beard no, with a cigar. The next Tatar. Mm-hmm. Talking about China and you wear a jumpsuit. Mm-hmm. And I, I would will be very, I'd be very comfortable. Be there. Yeah. <laughs> and I would be loose enough to get her on the stage in ways that, yeah. Use my cooker. Yeah, that'd be great. Which I forgot in a classroom. Yeah. And painted, oh, no. like, four days later, I couldn't find it. All <laughs> so. oh, the travails of yeah. professors. I know. All right, Nick, anything else we need to hit up? I think we're, I think, I think we're, <laughs> we're, apparently we're good. <laughs> <laughs> See what happens when you get a lady on the band yeah. and we talk about fashion. Yes. <laughs> um... Yeah, close out. Shiner Cosmos Reserve tastes like metal. I don't know if that's what it's supposed to taste like or if it's a bad batch. I'm going to go with no. Pissed off the Texas constituents. Uh-oh. Oh, fuck them. <laughs> but, but we like the, I like the Takayo, Takayo Brewery Company Hominy White Ale. I recommend, especially for Chicago and people who like Rick Bayless. Awesome. I recommend. Good to know. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, guys. Thanks for having I me. I appreciate Cheers. it. This was super yeah. fun. All right. We'll do this again at some point in the near future or not. Cheers. Yay. Bye.